It's Friday on Locked On Bearcats, and today, four years ago to the day, one of the most devastating losses in Bearcats men's basketball history, maybe in the history of the University of Cincinnati. I want to talk about that and how it relates to where the program is today. I got a topic about Luke Fickle and how he's built the program as opposed to what the Reds have been doing recently, what the Bengals have started to do recently. That's not opposed to what Luke Fickle's doing, but it used to be. It's all coming up on Locked On Bearcats. Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Alex Frank here with you on this Friday, March the 18th of 2022. It was four years ago today that the Cincinnati Bearcats in Nashville, a game I was at, a game I'm sure many of you were at or watched. I hope, some, I hope a lot of you were there because there were a ton of Bearcat fans in attendance at Bridgestone Arena in Nashville on that day. The Bearcats led Nevada 65-43 to with 11 minutes to play, and what followed was one of the worst 11 minutes of game time and probably 20 to 25 to 30 minutes of actual time in Bearcats men's basketball history, University of Cincinnati athletics history, and Cincinnati sports history. Um, Nevada outscored the Bearcats 32-8. to down the stretch, won the game 75-73, the game-winning basket with just about 10 seconds to play, and the Bearcats had no answer for Nevada's shooting down the stretch and offensive rebounding. Um, two, thing, two things the Bearcats did very well on defense throughout that season, limiting, or, uh, limiting opponents shooting from the field and preventing offensive rebounds, and they did not do those two things down the stretch in the game against Nevada. Um, I was there. It was a devastating loss. The finality of a season that was so promising, that had so much so much expectations, so many expectations, and it was I, – I truly thought the Bearcats were going to go far in the tournament, but what really stuck out to me – or, what's, or what really um, hit me hard was this. I had a thought at one point throughout that season. I had a thought, and I didn't want to entertain it because I'm naturally an optimist. I didn't want to entertain this thought. And yet I, 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 I remember I was at a game, and I mentioned this on a previous show. I was at a game, I'm sitting in the student section of the Ruckus, and I said to myself, you know, all these expectations are great, but what would ha- but what happens if Cincinnati loses in the second round of the NCAA tournament again? Because the last five years, they lost in the second round um, twice. They lost in the first round, what was it, three times. Three times they lost in the first round, twice lost in the second round. And, of course, you, you go back to all the – um, underachievements in the NCAA tournament under Bob Huggins. Four straight second-round exits from 97 
through 2000 in all four of Kenyon Martin's year, seasons. Um, a, a second round exit in 2002 when they were a number one seed and had Steve Logan, at Steve Logan's senior year or last season with the Bearcats, I should say. And then all the other first round and second round exits. That team was so balanced, was so well coached, was so dominant at times during the regular season. And I, and I know they had some struggles um, in their conference tournament, putting teams away. And, you know, Georgia State gave them a game in the first half, though the Bearcats still won that game by 15. It was a struggle. But Cincinnati, um, you know, I, I, it just felt like, you know, the, the vibe and, you know, I was at a um, a bar downtown before the game and there were so many Bearcat fans there. The pep band was there. And I was like, man, this is just another step on the journey. You know, we're here in Nashville. It's Sunday. We're getting ready for a second round game. Who knows where this is going to lead to? Had the Bearcats won the game, they were going to go to Atlanta to face Loyola Chicago in the Sweet 16. I don't know what would have happened there. Um, I do think... Now that the Bearcats have lost that game, I, I've convinced myself that they would have lost to Loyola, just because it. Knowing this, knowing how the Cincinnati sports curse worked, it has since been lifted by the Bengals. But knowing how the curse worked, I felt like they would have lost to Loyola Chicago, number eleven seed, but Cinderella. Um. I just would, and it would have been a a great matchup. It would have been probably the first of 55 wins. I just feel in my gut the Bearcats would have lost that game. Now, if they they had beaten Nevada, who knows? If they had beaten Nevada before and and, and the curse wouldn't have, you know, presented itself that day, who knows? But because of what happened, I feel like they would have lost to Loyola. But look at where the program is now. You know, I, I wonder if the Bearcats had won that game against Nevada, if Mick Cronin would have gotten a contract extension. Because here was a co- here was a head coach who was taking his team to the NCAA multiple times. I mean, that was the eighth straight year of what turned out to be a nine-year stretch that where they made the NCAA tournament every year. What if they would have won that game? I believe Mick Cronin would have been given a contract extension. He would have finally broken through. What if he had taken that team to the Elite Eight? The bracket was wide open that year. What if he had taken them to the Final Four? What if they had gone to the Final Four? For the first time since 1992, what if they would have gone to the Final Four? I believe he would have been given a contract extension. So he would still be here. Logan Johnson would still be here. It would be his senior season. Samari Curtis would still be here. It would be his junior season, most likely. And you think about all the other... You think about all the other players who would still be here. Nasir Brooks would have stayed one, would have stayed one more year. Um, Ilyosa Seme would have stayed. You know, it would be interesting to see about Trevor Moore, who made some strides his sophomore season and freshman season. The trajectory of the program just has not, you know, when John Brandon was hired, I think people had the, what they wanted him to do was get this program to the next level. I'm here to tell you, looking back, and I, I was talked into believing John Brandon was the right hire, but I remember I, I was at a graduation party. And a good family friend of mine, good family friends of my family, and I'm having this conversation. She's a UC alum, like like me, like most of you listening to this podcast. So I'm having this conversation with her, and 
she asked me, she goes, do you think John Brain's the right man for the job? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I think he is. And he goes, really? Like, where did he come from? And, you know, doesn't have a lot of experience. And, you know, some, you know, some things that are said in conversations stick with you. And that stuck with me. I remember when the Bearcats lost to Houston the first time in the 2020-21 season, 90-52. I texted her and I said, I apologize for disagreeing with you. <laughs> you were right. Little did I know, because little did I know then that there was going to be drama. And that that Brandon team, they Brandon talked about what he wanted his team's identity to be. And yet the struggles that that program took to reach it, and they never had an identity. Mick Cronin was not fired. Mick Cronin left because he was not given a contract extension. Now, to Mike Bone's defense... Mick Cronin had, after his 2012 Sweet 16 appearance, so Mike Bone comes in 2014. Well, that was that was after the second straight first-round exit for Cincinnati in the tournament. They lost to Harvard that year. So there was, um, following 2012, seven straight NCAA tournament appearances, four exits in the first round, three exits in the second round, no Sweet 16. To Mike Bone's defense, what was what reason was there to give Mick Cronin a contract extension? If you're talking about success, just getting to the NCAA tournament? Now, I will say this. Where the program is now, I would say yes. Get this program to the NCAA tournament every year. I mean, Kansas for a while, the Kansas Jayhawks, who is who have made the NCAA tournament every year since uh, who knows when, going back to, I think, 1990. So 1990? Yeah, I feel like, I feel like it's every year. Since 1990, they've made the NCAA tournament. That's 33 straight years. But there is a stretch. 2010, they lost in the second round. 2014, lost in what was called the third round then. I call it the second round. 2015, they lost in the third round. So Kansas, there was a stretch of six years where they lost three times in the second round. Now, they also made an Elite Eight and and a national championship game. But still, Jayhawks have had their struggles in the tournament, too. They've only been to the Final Four twice since 2008 when they won a national championship. Bill Self is still there. But Mick Cronin was not given a contract extension. And so we move on to John Brandon, and he talks about all these things he wants this program to be, and it just didn't work out. But what if the Bearcats had not lost to Nevada? We, we, We talk about what ifs. We talk about what if the Bengals had beaten the Steelers in the 2015 playoffs. Heck, I say what what if Carson Palmer hadn't gotten hurt in the 05 playoffs. That team would have gone on to face Denver in the divisional round. That Denver team wasn't that great. It was certainly good. They had a good defense, good running game. Um, Jake Plummer was a, you know, I would say a game manager quarterback. I mean, his nickname was No Mistake Jake. Would have been interesting to see what the Bengals would have done there. In 2015, if the Bengals had Andy Dalton. You know, we're talking about what if the Bengals had beaten the Steelers. I go, what if Andy Dalton wasn't injured in the Week 14 matchup against them in the regular season? They probably would have won that game against Pittsburgh. I don't know. Well, actually, I don't know. Say they don't win that game because it was the Steelers, and we all know. And they would have beaten San Francisco. They would have beaten Denver. And they would have beaten Baltimore. They would have finished 13-3. and They would have been the number one seed in the AFC. And... Who knows who they would have played? Maybe Pittsburgh. 
I don't know, though. I don't know. Pittsburgh would have faced uh, New England. So I would say New England wins that game. And then 5-4 that year in the AFC was uh, Kansas City and Houston. Well, they would have faced Kansas City then in the um, in the wild card round. In the divisional round. I think they would have beaten them. So the Reds in 2012, if they would have beaten the Giants, Johnny Cueto maybe could have come back. And they would have gotten the Cardinals in the championship series. I would have taken my chances with that. All these what-ifs. And the Bearcats against Nevada is a prime example. I do believe Mick Cronin would still be here, and I do believe the program would be in much better hands. Now, needless to say, I do believe Wes Miller is going to ultimately build this program back to where it was. And hopefully they can have some success in March, but you have to get there first to have a chance at success. Um, One coach who has um, built his program the way he wants it to be, and I think bigger and better than any of us ever expected. Not I think, I know it is. That's Luke Fickle. I'm going to get to what he's done, as opposed to what the Reds have done this week, and all of a sudden what the Bengals have gone a little quiet in free agency. I'll touch on all of that next here on Lockdown Bearcats. But first, I need to tell you, about Built Bar, because this is the time of year that I have pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions. But not this year. I'm sticking to it thanks to Built Bar, because it almost feels like I'm not really um, making a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. You see, if you tried the Puffs, well, if you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best-tasting bars. They're the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. Yummy cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. So good. These are going to be your new favorite. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, Puffs included. 100% real chocolate. Compare that, uh, or sorry, mint brownie, coconut almond, Coconut and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. If they think they a flavor might be good, they'll make it. It will be delicious and it will be good for you. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every time. You can go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15. For 15% off at Built.com. Thanks for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Alex Frank here with you on this Friday, March the 18th of 2022. All right, so I've touched on where the Bearcats program may be had they not lost to Nevada. And again, you can only think. The reality is, it is where it is where it is. I do believe once Wes Miller has a full off season and he gets his players, more versatile guards, players who complement one another. And I, I think that's going to be a saying I go back to a lot this offseason. Players who complement one another. Not just a bunch of individual players with different skill sets that don't mesh. Players who complement one another. 
Well, one coach who has built his program the way he wants it, and, I, and it's bigger and better than any of us could have ever imagined when he first came here is Luke Fickle. I tell you what, um, for a while, Cincinnati sports, um, the Bearcats basketball was the you know probably the most successful program in town. The Bengals were entering a five-year stretch where they were just abysmal. Five flat, five straight losing seasons, five, uh, three straight last place finishes, double-digit losses in three straight years. Um, the Reds were well. The Reds, um, they were they were okay in 2019. They 2020. What I would have loved to have seen what that team would have done under in, in a full season. We didn't see it, of course. Um, the Reds were not very good, then okay, then, you know, competitive. And then who knows what they're going to do this year. Bearcats football was lurking in the corner, 2018 and 2019. And the, the last two years, they have taken over the university. And I think to some, and they have kind of gotten the city on board. Now, it is going to be hard for the program to, you know, continue to be the most popular. It's going to be hard for the program to, you know, sustain its popularity maybe with what the Bengals are doing. But Luke Fickle, you cannot deny what he's done. He's put this program on the map and then some. He's got the whole university involved. He's got the city involved. Or I should say he's got the whole university in the palm of his hands. Maybe part of the city you go downtown. So I look at what Luke Fickle has done, and there's things that I liked early on that I didn't see with the Reds. I didn't see with the Bengals especially. Luke Fickle gave his program and his team every chance to succeed every single week. Ohio State in 2019 may be an exception. But you know what? At least after that, he learned from that game, and the Bearcats have only lost. They lost twice more, and they've only lost four times since then. And they've won, let's see, 10, 9, 13. So that is uh, 32 wins, 32 and 4 since that game. 32 and 4. It's building the program the way he wants it, giving his team a chance to win every week. Going into every game knowing that they are prepared and that they're going to make in-game adjustments. They are going to be the more physical team. They are going to be the better team. They trounce inferior competition, and they can play with the best of the best. We saw that in the Cotton Bowl against Alabama. Some teams in the SEC got rolled by Bama. The Bearcats were within 11 points with the ball near midfield late in the third quarter. They held Alabama scoreless in the third quarter. That game was 10-3 to just before halftime. You know, for a while, the Bengals would not spend money on free agency. Marvin Lewis would not give his team the best chance to win every week, it felt like, towards the end of his tenure. Zach Taylor did not know what he was doing his first season. And the Bengals were headed for dark days. Well, they're not now. But they were at the start of Luke Fickle's tenure. You know, the Reds were trying to be competitive. But 
they ultimately, you know, had what five or six straight losing seasons. But Luke Fickle comes in, and it was a breath of fresh air. Someone that was willing to do everything in his power, punch above the Bearcats' weight class of being in the American Athletic Conference, not having all the resources, you know, and going into his second season, being you know projected to finish fourth in the AAC at six and six, and ultimately finishing ten and two, just missing out on a chance to play for a conference championship, and setting the stage for expectations in 2019, and the recruiting that he's done, the, all the hard work that he has put into this program. And you hope Wes Miller can do the same thing once he has a full off season with his players. You know, I think that's going to be, I think that's going to be an interesting thing this year. You know, Mason Madsen was a John Brandon player. Mike Saunders is a John Brandon player, but can you take the John Brandon players and mesh them with your players? You know, go out and get your players. You're not going to have Abdullah Du and Hayden Koval. You're going to have John Newman. You're going to have Odio Guama. Those are your players. You're going to have Jared Hensley. That's one of your players. Um, David DeJulius is now one of your players. He improved under Wes Miller. You know, there are play, you know, there are players that improved under John Brandon, like Trey Scott. Now there are players that who, you know, who came in under John Brandon who are improving under Wes Miller. I do believe that Wes Miller is going to turn is going to get this program back to where it belongs. They just ha- it just has to mesh. The Bengals and Zach Taylor's first season, you know, the, the players and the roster did not mesh. That's something that stood out to me. Now, every player on that team, they're meshing together well. There is elite chemistry between Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. There can be that chemistry on the court with Wes Miller's program. He just has to get the players that he wants. And I do believe he will. Um, so, let's see what I had. Um, so, I don't want to make this about Xavier. Because this is a Bearcats podcast and you don't like Xavier. But Travis Steele and Xavier parting ways says a lot about the expectations for basketball in this city. Overall, I will touch on all of that next here on Lockdown Bearcats. But first, I need to tell you about betonline.net because it's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally, finally upon us. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, betonline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. And once again, thank you for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Alex Frank here with you on this Friday, March the 18th of 2022. It is Friday, the second full day, the second full day of the NCAA tournament getting underway today. I cannot wait. Um, I recorded this, though, before um, the first game 
uh, or the first day, the first full day of the NCAA tournament. But still, we can look ahead to Friday's action. Of course, there are a lot of compelling games on the docket. So we go to Friday. Um, it'll start at 12-15 on CBS, the South Region from Pittsburgh. It'll be the 10-seeded Loyola Chicago Ramblers taking on the uh, 7-seeded Ohio State Buckeyes. This is the game that Kevin Harlan, Dan Bonner, and Reggie Miller, along with Dana Jacobson, will have the call for. I butchered that yesterday. I apologize. This is the re- this is the um, city where Kevin Harlan's crew will be for that game. So that's a really interesting matchup. I cannot wait to see how that game plays out. Um, other games today, following that game, Loyola Chicago and Ohio State at about 245 on CBS, that game between Loyola and Ohio State on CBS, Delaware and Villanova, a 15-2 matchup uh, from Pittsburgh. The Pittsburgh games will continue uh, later tonight, 6.50 on TNT, number 13, Chattanooga taking on number four, Illinois. Uh, Chattanooga winning the, the SoCon on that buzzer beating three, and then it'll be 12th seeded UAB and 5th seeded Houston champions of the American. Houston 29-5, and five, looking to go back to the Final Four for the second straight year. Starting at 12.40 on True TV, you got the Greenville-South Carolina games. Our college channel manager, Zach Blackerby, and the host of the Locked on Auburn podcast, his Auburn Tigers, will take on Jacksonville State. Jacksonville games will be called... Um, if I can find it here, or Greenville games, excuse me, will be called by Jim Nance, Bill Raftery, Grant Hill, and Tracy Wolfson. Um, following that game from Greenville, you will have, that game's on True TV at 1240, uh, number 10 Miami and number 7 USC at th- uh, approximately 310. Those games continue later tonight from Greenville on CBS at 710. Mike Krzyzewski, and Duke in the first game of Coach K's last NCAA tournament. They'll take on number 15 seeded Cal State Fullerton. Nightcap on CBS, number 10 Davidson, number 7 Michigan State. Really interesting game there between the regular season champions of the A-10, a team that was in the top 25 at one point. Michigan State sputtered down the stretch, but did put up a good showing in the Big Ten tournament. All right, 145 on TNT. From San Diego, you got Montana State, the 14th seeded. And by the way, Auburn, uh, Jacksonville State, USC, Miami is the Midwest region. Duke and Cal State Fullerton and Davidson, Michigan State is the West region. So you got 145 on TNT in the West region. Number 14, Montana State taking on number three, Texas Tech from San Diego. Those games called by, I can find it. Uh, Lisa Byington, Steve Smith, Avery Johnson, and Lauren Shahadi. That starts at 145 in the West region. Then following that game on TNT, it'll be number 11, Notre Dame. Big, great game on, on Wednesday night against Rutgers in the first four double overtime against number six, Alabama. Those games those games on TNT, those games continued later tonight on True TV 727, local team Wright State taking on number one, Arizona. That's in the South region. And then another game from the South region, TCU and Seton Hall, a 9A matchup there. The other city of games today will be in Milwaukee. Begins at 2 o'clock on TBS, number 14, Purdue, and number or number 14, Yale, and number 3, Purdue. Spiro Debbie Antonelli, and A.J. Ross will call those games. 
Uh, that is a 14-3 matchup in the East region. Those games continue with number 11 Virginia Tech and six-seeded Texas in the East region. Those games in Milwaukee will continue tonight, 7-20 on TBS, number 11 Iowa State, number 6 LSU. That's a Midwest region game. And then the nightcap from Milwaukee is number 14 Colgate and number 3 Wisconsin. So there's your NCAA tournament lineup for today. I cannot wait. All right. So, if you didn't if you didn't see this on Wednesday, I'm sure you did because I'm sure you always pay attention, pay attention to what your enemies and your nemesis your nemeses are doing. Xavier and head coach now former head coach Travis Steele parted ways. And I thought about that and how it relates to Cincinnati. So we saw what the Bearcats did after two years with John Brandon. That was more so because of things that happened off the court and within the program culture-related issues. But it still speaks to the fact that Travis Steele in four years as a head coach did not make the NCAA tournament. Now, he only coached two normal seasons. Uh, 2020 was until it wasn't. Xavier actually, their season finished before uh, COVID shut it all down. And... Uh, 2021 was a, a truncated season, but they still lost in the first round of the Big East tournament. Xavier in you know, the last three years, seven and eighteen in the last month of the regular season, not good. They would always start out well, and they would tease everybody into thinking they were going to go to the NCAA tournament. But the problem is, they just could not finish. And it says that Xavier has expectations. Cincinnati has expectations. What if Wes Miller and the Bearcats aren't good next year? Is the athletic department going to say, you know what, we're going to go in a different direction, you're fired? They could. I mean, they did it with John Brandon. If the Bearcats had made the tournament in 2021 with all the issues that they had, would John Brandon still be fired? I don't know. I think I still think he would have because, all, because of the mass exodus, as it was called, of players entering the transfer portal. So Cincinnati, I mean, this is a city that has expectations when it comes to its basketball teams. Cincinnati and Xavier, I mean, these teams, you expect them to make the tournament every year. Every year. I mean, both programs have not made the NCAA tournament in back-to-back seasons. First time that's happened since the mid-'80s. You know, you think about Xavier's had great head coaches and Pete Gillen, Chris Mack, and uh, Pete Gillen, um, Sean Miller, and Chris Mack. And Cincinnati has had Bob Huggins and Mick Cronin. So there, so there are expectations within this city when it comes to its basketball. Xavier, four years, no NCAA tournaments. That's not going to get it done. There are expectations to compete with Big East champion to to compete for Big East championships. And go to the NCAA tournament. Um, so you look at what they did, and you're seeing the expectations that they have and the expectations they have for their head coach. And you should feel that way if you're John Brandon. I'm sorry, if you're Cincinnati with Wes Miller. You know, he came into a bad situation. I understand that. And it will be interesting to see if he's given the time to build the program the way he wants it to. Mick Cronin was given five years. Look what he did. But, you know, that was the first time around. This is the second time around. Like I said earlier, there are those of you 
who have been through now two, who have been through one rebuild, and you're going through another. And it has to suck for it has to suck for a lot of you. So, and if you're a booster, if you are a donor, maybe you think about that. Are you going to put pressure on Wes Miller to get this program back to where it belongs? Are you going to do that? Because of what you went through in the mid-2000s with Bob Huggins leaving and Mick Cronin coming in. And the, you know, just the the ruins that the program was in and Mick Cronin ultimately building it back to great to, to great levels. I mean, there are standards to be reached within the Bearcats program and Xavier is setting the precedent that there is standards to be reached there and within this city. The city is the city is a football town first. Now, used to be baseball, but now but basketball is a huge part of this city. It's, it's what makes the winners fun. You know, when everybody is rallying around Cincinnati, when they used to be in the Big East, and Xavier's now in the Big East. And you think about how, and when they're good, how popular they are. College basketball is popular in this city when both teams are good. But what Xavier did shows that there are expectations there. And it will be interesting to see if Wes Miller goes to the tournament next year. He's probably going to stick around. He's probably going to eventually sign a contract extension. If he doesn't, though, next year, and the Bearcats finish sixth in the American, now, understand this. Are you going to fire Wes Miller ahead of moving to the Big 12? There's actually merit to that. And there's actually validity, and there's actually justification to doing so. If you fire West Miller, if, if West Miller doesn't have a great season next year and they lose, let's say, in the first round of the conference tournament, if you let him go, you are basically saying, we are moving in a different direction. We are moving to the Big 12. We don't believe you are the right man for the job. Now, if the Bearcats finish third in the American and then they go to the conference championship game and let's say they just miss out on the tournament or make the tournament as like the last four in, then there's absolutely justification to saying, yep, He's the right guy for the job. We're going to the Big 12. We know we can win with this man. He's going to keep getting better and better. But I think there is a little pressure on Wes Miller to do some of these things his second season. I understand the situation he came into and inherited. I understand all of that. But the Bearcats have already been through something like this when Bob Huggins was forced out and Mick Cronin comes in. I, I do believe that there will be some pressure on Wes Miller to win games next year. And get to the NCAA tournament. The first year. Because he's going to have. A full off season. To get his players. You know how there was pressure on Zach Taylor. This year to win games for the Bengals. Well look what he did. He delivered. Can Wes Miller do the same? We'll find out. Great week. It's been here on Lockdown Bearcats. Spring practice in full swing. We'll get back to more of that hopefully. But I mean this is still March Madness. And by the time we talk to you on Monday. We'll know some of the Sweet 16 teams. Depending on when I record the episode for Monday, it'll probably probably be on Sunday. So there still will be games going on at the time of recording. But thank you for making Locked On Bearcats your first listen of every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NFL Draft as Ryan Tracy and former NFL 
Cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore 90 with two N's, N-N-A-T-I. You can follow me on Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore with two N's, or I'm sorry, AlexFrank9 underscore, and email me at Alex3FrankieGmail.com. I'm Alex Frank for the Lockdown Bearcats podcast. Have a great weekend, and I will talk to you all on Monday.